we're in a great series, and that series is the new normal. And we're just, we're just wanting to make sure that you understand what the new normal should be and what it should not be. The new normal should not be what, they're, what they are setting us up for. But we need to have our ears and our eyes open to hear and see what God is saying to the churches in this particular time that we're in. Today, my sermon title is The Leftovers. The Leftovers. You can put that at the top of your notes. I want to talk about the leftovers. And you'll find that in the scripture. Haggai 2, 2 through 5, very important scripture. Uh, very important scripture, very important scripture is, is the basis for our, our theme, our series right now. And it says, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son. This is the second verse. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shepteel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left? Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Who's here? Who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the Lord, of the land, says the Lord, and work. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. We want to stop right there at the fourth verse. So God is talking to, God is talking to the governor. He's talking to the priests. And he's talking to the remnant. Those who are left over that saw what the temple was like. Those who are left over that remember what God wanted. Those who are left over and they still have the frame of mind of the desire of God. And he has a message for them. He says, work. Do the work that you're called to do. Be the people you're called to be. Don't get caught up in this world around you because you should never be like the world. You should be in it, but you should not be of it. I have some pretty strong things to say today. But they're things that apply, first of all, to me. And they apply to the people I lead and the church I lead, Ambassadors Worship Center. We've got to be sure we understand in these times that we are the remnant. We're the leftovers. We're the people who should be understanding what God wants right now. Now, when we talk about remnants, often we talk about remnants. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever had to go someplace and you bought the remnants. You bought the remnants of carpet and you bought the remnants of furniture. You bought the remnants of food. You bought the remnants when you go places and you, you typically buy remnants because you can't afford the real thing. You buy, the remnants of, you buy the remnants of carpet if you have a small room or you just can't pay for whatever is else. I've been there. And those leftovers can be real cheap, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about the leftovers of food, you know, day-old pizza, day-old bread, uh, uh, small pieces of carpet, patchwork, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a remnant, which is a leftover part that is stronger than the whole. 
We're talking about yeast, something that is very small that can take over a culture, that can build a whole new culture, that can be so powerful and strong it can turn a culture on its head. That's the remnant. Now, in the Bible, people say, well, I don't know about the remnant. Well, in the Bible, the Bible mentions the word remnant 540 times in the Bible. 540 times God talks about the leftovers, the remnant, those who are there who, can, who still has a grasp, a grip on the original idea of God, the concept of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? How should it perform? What is the church to the kingdom? What should the church be doing in its times? I was uh, shopping with my wife in, I forget what city we were in, what city we were in, and uh, I saw this suit hanging on, the, uh, uh, hanging on the rack. The suit looked like nothing I would wear. It was loud. It did not make sense, and, uh, but somehow I was attracted to it. I was attracted to this suit, and I can tell when God's trying to show me something that I don't see. He was trying to give me an example of something that I wasn't recognizing and realizing at the time. So I said to my wife, I think I'm going to buy that suit. What do you think? She says, well, it's not like you. She told me what I already knew. It's not really like you. It's not really like the suits you wear. You're, you're pretty conservative. And she said, where, were you wear, where would you wear it? I said, I don't know where I would wear it. I don't know how I would wear it. I don't know what it's supposed to mean to me. But I knew God was telling me to buy the suit, and I got it on today. It's been hanging in my closet for years. Hanging in my closet for years, and as I was fasting this week, among other things, among other things, among other things, close to fighting with joy, depression, confusion, and everything happening in one week. And I'm like, God, what is going on? He said, go to your closet. I want to preach to you. I went to my closet and there was a suit I had altered three years ago. In my closet, he said, take that suit out. Take that suit out and take that suit out and put it on your, uh, and now I'm forgetting the name of the thing. You put your jacket on it and your pants and your tie called the valet. Yeah. It's on my valet in my office, and it's just sitting there. And I'm like, what are you trying to tell me about this suit? And God asked me, what attracted you to the suit? I said, I don't know. I am so lost. Tell me. He says, what is the suit made of? And then it hit me what attracted me. I saw a suit on the rack, y'all, that when I took it off the rack, to me, I thought it was lots of little pieces. And I, in my mind, I'm like, who would take the time... <laughs> to sew all these pieces together and make a suit out of it. It made no sense. Now, the closer I got, I could tell it was a print, right? I could tell it was a print, but it began to speak to me that who would take so many little pieces and put them together in a suit that someone could wear? It wasn't worth it. And even though I had paid what they said it was worth, in my mind, it was worth five times more because of the effort it would have taken someone to knit all this together. I believe that's what God is doing today. He's taking a bunch of people who don't look alike. They don't speak the same language. They ain't got on the same clothes. They don't sing the same songs. But everybody on this planet right now is hurting.
And God is knitting their hearts together to be one man, to be one suit, one nation. So I put it on today. I know I look like a clown on TV, but this suit is speaking to me. When the remnants are coming together, all these little pieces, and and maybe now, maybe some of y'all are not from where I'm from, but I got over that. Where I'm from, they make quilts. I don't know what y'all doing with all these fabric stores up here in the Midwest. That ain't what we did in the South. We had no fabric stores. Nobody could afford fabric. But I got quilts. I got quilts in my house that my mother made. Quilts, quilts. And the quilts were really little patches of clothes. I mean, little patches of shirts and ties and suits and blue jeans and uh, overalls. And they would make a quilt so that we wouldn't be cold at night. And where I'm from, they used to have quilting. We didn't call them parties. They just call them quilting. Where a bunch of ladies would just get together and talk and gossip and make quilts. And they gave them to us as children. Those times are precious because they knew how to They knew how to empower what was left over and not throw it away. And right now, some people may think that God is throwing away his church. He is done with his church. That ain't what's happening, y'all. That is not what's happening. We are not headed toward empty church buildings. The church is getting ready to be filled with people who are walking in here with smoke on their breath. They're going to walk in here with tattoos everywhere. They're going to walk in here and they can't afford to have their hair done. But they're also going to walk in here with so-called holy people, so-called people who love God. And they're not coming to be judged. They're just tired of that. I'm not even in there yet. I'm not even in there yet, but you ought to be at home right now beginning to think this. Am I the remnant? Am I part of the remnant? Am I part of this evangelical, charismatic junk that's going on in the world now where we can't get our hands dirty? All we can do is pray. We can't get involved in the world that's around us. This is the day for the remnant to be empowered. Am I making sense at all? So now watch this. Maybe I should say something here. Maybe I should say something here. In the Bible, you you might miss the word remnant because there's so many translations. But when you start hearing words like what is left, what remains, survivors, escapees, the rest of the people, that's when God is trying to say, when I look for the remnant, it means that God is getting ready to do something he has not done before. So now, number one, now, number one, who is the remnant? The remnant, the remnant are the redeemed. They are the ones of us who know they've been bought with the price. We got too many people who think they got saved for their sake. They th- you think you got saved so you wouldn't go to hell. You think you got saved because Jesus needed somebody to love. You think you got saved because God wanted to rescue you from this life on earth. That ain't why you got saved. He saved you to go to work. He saved you to redeem you. And now you're just half saved. Halfway. You get to go to heaven, but you're not going to do earth any good. That's halfway. 
but the, 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 the remnant are people who have been redeemed. They've been bought with a price, and they know they're not their own. They know it. Is that you? The remnant have a revelation, and the revelation is they realize that what the real intent of the church is. The remnant's not confused right now. They're just waiting for someone to lead them into action. They know the assignment of the church, which is to effect and change the world. They have a deep sense of this. The remnant, the remnant, they understand this. They under, the remnant is that which is left after a community goes through a shift. After the temple is torn down. After everything is destroyed. After everybody goes into, uh, they go into exile. Every time in the Bible when they went into slavery and they were subjected, there was always a remnant that stayed alive, that stayed fervent. They knew that there was something powerful coming to pass. The remnant is a visible, organized body of believers dedicated to the one idea of Christ. The remnant understand that there's only one idea, and that's the kingdom. They understand it. They're focused on it, and they're just waiting for the right opportunity to show what the kingdom is like. Am I making sense at all? Number two, question is, what does the remnant have? What does the remnant have that others don't have? What are they working with that others aren't working with? The remnant have knowledge. They know that Jesus is not just Savior or Lord. They know he's king. And he's king of his church. The remnant understand that prophets can't have a church, that only kings can have a church. The remnant knows that apostles can't have church. It's kingdoms that have churches. So the remnant have this revelation that Jesus is king. You don't vote in no kingdom church. We don't discuss what God wants to do. We go by his word, by the leading of apostles. That's how he organized his church. Am I making sense? The, they have grace. I'll read it to you in a bit. They have grace. What is grace? The remnant has a supernatural ability to stand and build the house. You've been sitting at home, and while everybody is getting ready to have three churches online, you're like, I need to find me a church. I need to be there every time the door opens. I want to be there serving. If I ush, I'm going to be ushering. If I sing, I'm going to be singing. If I'm leading, I'm going to be leading. If I'm teaching, I'm going to be teaching. There are some of you out there today, you're ready for the church to take off, not subside. Everybody else is gearing up, and somehow they want the church to slow down. Not the remnant. The remnant can't slow down. You still with me? This remnant, what do they have? They have understanding. They understand that the church is the only answer. <laughs> they understand that without the church standing up, it's over in this world. Can I talk to y'all for a minute? Maybe I'll talk to y'all in here. I went to see the unrest in my city. I wanted to go. I got tired of watching the news and everybody's opinion. And since a protest was happening in my city, I just wanted to go. I wanted to feel it. What's it like? Who's there? 
Are they telling me the truth on the news? Are they lying to me? Who's manipulating me? I turn to the TV channels that are supposed to be preaching the gospel, and they're running some old 94 old shows with their hair slicked down and all this other stuff. I'm like, the, I thought the Jerry Curl was done. What are we doing? Is anybody from the church got anything to say? No, we don't. We don't have anything to say. So I went. Let me tell you what I saw. I saw nothing like they're describing. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. One narrative, one narrative is to make us scared. The other narrative is to make us feel like we have to give our power to someone else who doesn't even love God. Who told us to go back to church and he went golfing. We, the remnant, have to understand that what they're telling us is happening is not happening. We need to, if my people, listen now, they stop at this one, who are called by my name. They stop there. But the Bible says, if my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, most of them stop there. I'm sorry for what's happening. Let us pray. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. That ain't all it says. You got to seek his face, not the face of some person that's, that is pseudo in charge. And then, America, you got to turn from your wicked ways. Our country is not wicked, but we got some wicked ways. Ungodly. Unjust. Unjustified. And supported by a constitution. Yeah, I'm coming. We've got to be careful right now, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we don't give ourselves as a harlot to those who want to use us just to gain power. We've got to pay attention that we're listening to God and now turning from our wickedness. I'm going to read what God told me. I'm going to read what he told me. America has to repent. God wants to use us. But we've got to deal with our ways. We've got to, get, we've got to deal with our voice. And there is no government that's going to do it. It's got to be the church unified and saying the same thing. I went to the protest before I knew it, I had my phone on, and I was live. I didn't even know I was live. And I'm watching all of this play out. I'm like, oh, can I talk to y'all? Okay, y'all don't want me to talk to y'all. Okay, I'm on my phone, and I start looking through my phone. And I saw in my city 75% white people. I'm like, hold on. Y'all told me it was us. It ain't us. It's all us. Caucasians, blacks, Asians, Muslims. Everybody was there. Everybody was crying out for something different. Everybody was like, what are we going to do? There were, there were even, there were, there were, okay. 
I have to watch my descriptions because people are like, I can't believe you said that word. Y'all say it. I'm watching people who are advocating, simply saying, you wouldn't do this if just us was here. Why are you doing that to them? I saw a lady with a prayer shawl on, on her knees in the middle of the street, crying out to God. Oh, my God. I saw young people weeping. Say, what are we going to do? A young man walked up to me. He says, he says, you want a bottle of water? And I said, yes, what do I do with it? He says, well, we've been tear gassed all night. You might use it. We ran out of milk. But if I find some milk, I'll bring you some. He's talking to me. There are 2,000 people here. And I'm like, he says, there are a lot of us out here just serving our neighbors. I said, you're doing what? He said, we're just serving our neighbors. Then he said these words. He said, people don't understand. And the news media doesn't understand what's happening here. But he said, all of us. All of us are being subjugated. We're the working class you see here, mister. And the working class has to stick together. I don't care what anybody's telling you, but everybody's hurting now. I got a note from a friend who's been working at the university for 33 years that just got a phone call. Don't come back. People are losing their jobs everywhere. And the church has no answer. We won't say anything. We're so divided, we can't even agree. We believe more in our nation than we do the world anymore. Can I ask you something, America? Can I ask you something? The country, most of y'all don't know, I fought for. So I get to say what I want. That's why I went to serve the army as a civilian, so I could talk about my country that I love. We're a joke in the world. We used to lead the whole planet. People used to listen to us. We used to lead the world in prayer. We led the world in humbleness. We led the world in giving. I traveled to many nations, and now our voice is weakened. What does this mean we're just for our nation? Oh, yeah, I'm coming. Well, we're all about America. You're as dumb as clay is dumb when it dries. You don't even make the John Deere engine anymore. It's made in China. Everything we have in this church, a lot of it is not made here in America. You are a globalization nation. You are here to lead the nations. And now the church, if it's not careful, will just package up all our people and give them to those who simply want to make all of us slaves. But there's got to be a remnant. Well, you're upsetting me. You're upsetting me. You're making me feel very uncomfortable. I'm not talking to you. This message is for the remnant. It's for those who are frustrated. They believe something has to happen. They're looking for what's next, and they know they got to be a part of it. They can't sit. 
by themselves anymore. There are police officers all over the world now, all over the world who are kneeling. Police officers are walking with the people and saying, please forgive us. And in those atmospheres, there's no looting. There's no rioting. People are hugging. People are loving one another, but not in America. Not here in our nation. No one is saying, we're sorry. This is wrong. Not just what we witness, but all the other stuff we don't see. And I'm telling you right now, don't you believe it. Don't you believe it, you so-called African-Americans. Don't you believe, don't you believe that you're the only ones that are going through the power of this world and the division that's happening so that the 1% can have everything they want. I hear y'all got quiet out there. You got quiet on Facebook. You got real quiet. What is our pastor doing today? I'm talking to the remnant. I'm talking to them who know God has a call on their life. It's time for us to get involved in this world. Ay, 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 ay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's bringing this nation to its knees. He's bringing the church to its knees. There's going to be a reckoning. There's going to be a time of brokenness. The intercessors are going to have to carry us through it. The prophets are going to have to prophesy us through it. Because God is bringing us to a place, and it's not going to be civil war. It's going to be civil prayer. It's going to be civil unity. People are going to come together by the Spirit of God and no longer be divided as the kingdom has said we should. Praise God. Praise God. So now, here's this now. Here's this. Let me move on. So what is the remnant supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? The remnant needs to do three things. We need to just stand still and build the house. Build the house where there's an altar. Build the house where people can stand and worship. Build the house so people can come and repent. Build the house where people can lay down their lives and give their hearts to God and be reconciled to their brother, be reconciled to their sister, be reconciled to the world. The house has to be built. And the remnant are called to build it, to sing, to usher, to take care of the children, to take care of the grounds, to be in the media, to come to the house of God and build it physically. Or we can do it virtually. How can you get pregnant virtually? The human contact is the most important thing that will ever happen in your life. Human contact is how you change. You don't change until somebody different from you gets in your life, gets in your face, and challenges you, challenges your prejudices, challenges how you think. I'm challenged all the time because I intentionally spend time with people I don't understand. And they help me with my thinking. They help me with what's wrong with me. They help shape me because I got a Mississippi shape. I got a Jim Crow shape. I got all that shape in me, so I have to spend time with others who think differently than me. And I do it at church. I don't do it at golf. I don't go to clubs. I ain't got time for foolishness. I do it at church. And I understand right here is where you're supposed to be honest and I'm supposed to be honest. But so many Christians got their veils on. I can't wait till we can take these stupid masks off. 
Because we Christians say one thing, but when we're thinking another. But you can't help it. You have to treat people how you think of them. And now why our thinking is wrong. So we're treating one another wrong. Are you scared, Pastor Martin? I ain't never been scared of stuff like this. I grew up in this. I understand this. I know this for real. <laughs> no, no. I don't need no news. I don't need to hear a Facebook post. I don't have to hear anybody say the words. I heard the words. I saw the words. I lived the words. But I'm telling you, it's time for something else. It ain't time to be mad at nobody. It ain't time to be upset. It's time for us to get to work. Hmm. Build a house. Restore love, hope, dominion, and power. Restore it. If you love somebody, don't just pray for them. Give them power. You can't say you love me and you holding my power. If you're subjugating me, Dr. Monroe told me, he told me, son, if my other sons stop preaching it, he said, you preach the kingdom. I promised my father I would preach the kingdom. If you subjugate me, I have no right and I have no obligation to do what you say. I can't trust anything you say if you take my dominion and my power. And I will not be a part of this church. I refuse to be a part of this church that wants me to give my power away. And now I'm going to do what a group of people are saying. Who I don't know if they love God or not. But I do have years of proof that they don't love me. So I got to have a God if I'm upsetting you get saved. I do have a God that made me a man and made you a woman and gave you dominion and gave you power in whatever way he gives it to you. And I know I can't stand in the way of that. I got to empower people to stand for God and to be who God called them to be. That's what this here church is. You're not supposed to stick around on no job for 33 years. No way. If you're in charge of your life, you don't need to have the same job for no 33 years. In 33 years, you ought to be running the joint or have your own. Don't submit to nobody's plan to keep you subjugated in your money and in your power and have control of your children's future. You control your future. Can I talk to you? You control your future by being a kingdom citizen. You know what I believe? I believe right now there are hundreds of people who are saying, who in the world? Where is that church at? Who are those people? How are they talking about this online? What are they like? See, you belong here. This is your home. This is your place where you can find not just love, not just hope. 
but the opportunity for your own dominion and power to use it. That's what this house is. I'm getting there. We've got to, listen, listen to me. What, what do they have and what do they do? This church has to stand for righteousness. Judgment and justice. Righteousness, judgment, and justice. What did I say? Say it again, y'all. Righteousness. Righteousness is how you get right with God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Now, your way of being right with God may not be his. You got to be right with him according to his ways. Not your opinions. Not your thoughts. And his way of being right is by obeying the laws and the scripture. Standing before him and you're aligned with what God is doing. You're aligned with it. That's righteousness. But it also has to be judgment, 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 judgment. Come on, come on, come on, American church. Come on, American church. For real, for real, for real, for real, American church. For real, for real. Y'all mad about somebody kneeling on a knee God gave him. Y'all mad at a brother that kneeled on the knee God gave him. But you're okay giving two different people for the same crime different sentences. Ain't nobody marching about that. Our judgment is off. And nobody says anything. Nobody does anything. And the church especially is silent. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I ain't scared about my job. I ain't scared about no job. I'm not scared about no money. I'm not scared about none of that. I never have. I'm going to tell you the truth. As God can, our judgment is off. I can't say you deserve a loan and you don't. I can't look at a child and say, we're going to help your people, but your people, we're not going to help them. We're going to make it difficult for them. And then we come to church on Sunday morning. How great is our God? You ain't got no God. Your God is the devil, and your God, your God, your God, your God, your God is going to be taken down. The king will rule over all. Our judgment is off. But it's the church that has to correct the judgment. <laughs> it's the church that has to say, uh-uh, that's not right. That's not proper. Let's judge this properly. And then there's got to be justice. Write this down, y'all, in your head. We don't need social justice. I'm going to help you today. We don't need social justice. Social justice is simply let's judge it, let's give justice by what people are thinking that justice should be. And let's not go any further. 
Wherever they're satisfied, let's give them that. That's social justice. That's when society leads on what we give you. And if you're happy, if you're happy with that, that's where we stop. If you're okay with us just leaving you alone and letting you and your kids stay in the ghetto and not have anything, if that's, if that's all you need, that's fine. If all you need is just to be able to march, we'll let you march. That's social. We don't need social justice. We need justice. Leave everybody alone. If you're going to stop me, stop them. If you got police there, put them everywhere. If you're going to frisk me, frisk them. If you're going to have more money in this school district, even it out for everybody according to taxes. That's justice. Put people on the bench that's not making money from the bench. Take judges off the bench that have an invested interest in the prison. But the church says nothing. Somebody say righteousness. Judgment. Listen to what the Bible says of David in Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born and a son is given. On his shoulders is going to be this government, government, government. We're going to call him a bunch of names. And at the end, it says, and the Lord of hosts with his zeal will make this happen. He will establish it on David's throne in judgment and justice. Why won't we read that part? The kingdom of God brings righteousness to the earth. If you did wrong, you're going to be punished according to what you did wrong. Everybody else gets what everybody gets. Let me move on, please, to four. The remnant has not bowed yet. The remnant is quiet now, waiting for some leadership. Here's this great scripture. Here's this great scripture. In Romans 11, God has not cast away his people whom he for new. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. He's like, God, the church is going bad. No, that's not what he said. Verse 3, he says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and they've torn down your altars. And then he said, y'all know it's famous. I alone, I'm here by myself. There ain't nobody left in Israel, Lord. Everybody done forsaken you. I'm here in my house under COVID. I'm sheltering in place. I'm the only one praying. I'm standing by myself. I'm the only one believing God. I'm standing for the church. They done fired me from my job, and I know they fired me because I was a Christian. No, they fired you because you were a Christian. They fired you because you weren't making any good. You weren't any salt there. You may have been a Christian, but your salt loses its savor. Now, it's like, I'm here, I'm alone. Ain't nobody here. But watch what God says. He says, but what does the divine response say to him? What did God say? God said, listen, I done set some people aside. <laughs> I done set, I got some people on reserve. They haven't been doing much until now. 
They haven't walked in their anointing yet, but I'm getting ready to stir them up. I'm getting ready to activate them. I'm getting ready to press play. They've been on hold for a long time. They've been on mute for a whole time. They've been on pause for a whole time, but I'm getting ready to press play. They're going to stand up righteously, and they're going to go into systems of the world and begin to speak the voice of God. They're going to protect where they are. You know you got a bad culture when one guy is doing something wrong, and you got seven other ones there that won't tell him to stop. He, say, he says, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to Baal. I got me some women out here, Martin. They have not bowed to this system. I got me some men and some children out here who haven't said yes to what's going on around them. I got some people in reserve, but they're mine. They're not yours. But I've set them in place for the time that it's time to do something. God is preparing a remnant today, and I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm asking you to ask God what you're supposed to do in this time. Watch what he finishes saying here. I got, I got 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to bail. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant. According to grace. There's a remnant that's available to God. It's according to anointed ability, grace, charisma, charis, gifts, gifts that are anointed, gifts that were prepared for right now, gifts that were kept in the dark for right now, gifts that were unused until right now. And that's why you're watching today. That's why you're watching this. You're watching this because in your heart you're like, God, I just feel like there's something I can do. I just feel like it's time for my dream. I, can, I feel like it's time for me to activate. It's time for me to write the book. It's time for me to talk to someone. It's time for me to open it. It's time for me to start a business. It's time for me to invest. It's time for me to talk to somebody. It's time for me to sing. It's time for me to build a building. It's time for me to record an album. It's time for me. You thought you were washed up, but God is saying, now I'm ready to use you. Now, I want you, I want to use you. I want you to have a baby at 65. I want you to get married at 60. I want to lift you up and put you in a place you've never been in before. I want to give you the money to do what you've been dreaming about. I want to cancel your enemies. I want to free you from the people who are important to you. God will, here's one of the ways to tell if God's getting ready to use you. He will drive out the folks you need. He'll drive away, you should have did something right there on that keyboard. He'll drive away the folks you think you need, the folks you think are important. God will just let them slip out of your life. He'll let them be removed from your life, and he will just lift you up, separate you before God used Paul. He said, Paul, I got to separate you from the people you come from. I got to separate you from these Jews. I got to separate you from the people who've been talking about you, and you didn't know it. So he separates. He drives you into a lonely place, into a cave, into a place where you ain't got nobody but God. And now you got to be with God by yourself, worshiping, talking to God, living in power just with him. And once you're so empowered, you figure out, oh, wow, I didn't really need a whole lot of folks in the first place. 
And now the right people can be joined to you. The right people who are trying to do something, trying to go somewhere, trying to express the kingdom. That's the difference. That's the difference. God prepares you for where you're going, and you better know it. Here's my last point, I think. Here's my, here's my last point, I think. This remnant, Jesus is now calling out to you. He's calling out to you. Today is the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all sitting in one place. And the Holy Ghost, it says, fell in the room. It says that the Holy Ghost came in the room. It was like a dove. It sat on their shoulders and crowns of fire showed up on their heads. He empowered everybody there. Everybody who showed up for Pentecost got the Holy Ghost. We got to go back to church where everybody who comes in the church gets the Holy Ghost. That we don't care what they did out there. When they walk in here, they get the Holy Ghost. They get strengthened. They get delivered. They get set free. But most of us don't know this. Jesus met with over 10,000 people. And he told them, you don't need to know when Jesus is coming. You shall receive after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You're not going to receive it before. But once you get the Holy Ghost, a power is going to come on you. Now, now watch what Jesus does here. Watch, watch what he does. He says to over, he says to over 10,000 people. I want you to go to Jerusalem though. About 12 miles away. I want all of y'all to go to Jerusalem. Go to the upper room. And I'm going to meet y'all there. Y'all hear me? He says, I'm going to meet y'all in the upper room. Now, the upper room can only hold about 150 people. Why would he tell 10,000 people to go to a room that could only hold 150? Because he knew everybody wasn't going. And he didn't need everybody to go. Whoever was going to show up in the upper room, the remnant, would be enough to launch his mission. And I'm telling you, 120 fired up people who are dedicated to the idea of the kingdom can shake an entire city. It is the remnant that makes the difference. It is not the crowd that makes the difference. It is the remnant that makes the difference. And I believe listening to me right now is a remnant, is a people that are saying, Pastor Martin, something is happening in my spirit. Something is happening in my soul. Something is happening deep down inside of me that I haven't felt for a long time. There is something happening in my mind and in my soul. I feel a calling of God. You are the remnant. It's this remnant calling out of you. Now watch this now. Watch this now. Watch this now. Watch this now. It starts with 120 people. But they spilled out. Those 120 people spilled out into the streets where over 200 nations were there. 
They were there to celebrate Passover, pay their taxes. So everybody's in the street. Everybody's at the mall. Everybody's shopping. Everybody is walking around. Everybody's playing volleyball. Everybody's swimming. Everybody's kissing and hugging one another. Everybody's just hanging out. And they, 120 people come out of the church into the world. And when they came out of the church and into the world, the Bible says 3,000 people got saved when they spilled out just the remnant. Just the remnant spilled out into the world. And 3,000 got saved that day. The next week, Peter was preaching, and another 5,000 got saved. One more week from that, there were so many people that they could not meet in all the synagogues. All the synagogues were full of Grecians, people with rings in their ears and rings in their noses from other nations, ladies that had makeup on and some that were Pentecostal. There were Jews there. There were black, white, green, yellow, all the colors, all the languages of the world were there because the Bible said when they spoke in tongues, all of them heard the same they all heard the same language because the Holy Spirit is the language of heaven. They had to start meeting in homes because even the Roman Colosseum couldn't hold them. This is the power of the remnant.